Okay, so we are uh, two minutes past now. So I think uh, now would be as good a time as any to get started. And I'm sure we'll have a few more people trickling in. Um, but just want to welcome you guys to another edition of our Cornerstone Ministry. Um, as I'm sure many of you also think Sundays are the best day of the week. That's what I think, just because the church gets to be together and we get to sit under the teaching of his word um, and we get to fellowship with one another. So cornerstones are really an extension of the Sunday ministry of the word and of prayer. And today's edition of Cornerstone specifically is going to be uh, for uh, session number three of our marriage and family track. Now, you don't necessarily have to be going through the premarital curriculum to attend. We encourage um, others to attend as well. But this is class three of that required curriculum for our uh, premarital folks. But you know, the rest of you who are joining us today, you are absolutely welcome to join. So before we get started, as we always do, I do like to, we do like to have a few people share um, every chance that we get to hear how people are doing. Um, we want to take those opportunities to hear and to also pray for one another. So let's get started with, let's see. All right. Uh, I see Antonio and Nadira. How are you guys doing? If you wouldn't mind unmuting and sharing maybe um, one thing the Lord's teaching you and one thing that we can be praying for for you guys. Sure. Can you hear me? Yeah, loud and clear. All right. Cool. Yeah. So uh, we're both doing well. Um, obviously, we're still we're like in our getting close to our eighth month of marriage. So um, yeah, it's been a very sanctifying process for us, um, you know, just being uh, two sinners who are living in the same house, like 24-7 pretty much. So, um, yeah, um, it's a lot of it. We have to really come to the Lord um, and come to his word and, you know, make sure that we are, um, you know, displaying the gospel to one another. Um, as far as... Um, something that we're learning. Uh, I mean, recently we just started to both, um, well, I've been serving on AV for a bit now, but uh, Nadir actually officially joined the team now too. And um, I think something that I've, you know, been learning through that process, I think that we're both probably learning is that um, just to be able to serve together, I think, um, you know, as Nadira is like learning and I'm trying to you know, uh, in a sense, like train her um, to do these uh, tasks that we're, we're called to do, um, just to do them, you know, do it patiently, which is, a, you know, kind of like a struggle for me, for sure, um, to do it patiently and lovingly, and that we're able to both, you know, ultimately serve on Sunday with joy, and, you know, that it would be a praise to God. Um, as far as prayer requests go, I would say, Right now, we are um, definitely considering, um, you know, starting our family. Uh, so, you know, we said we would wait at least a year. So we're we're getting to that point and we want to, you know, just be, you know, praying that we would, um, you know, in our decisions that we would be honoring Christ and that, you know, we are we're making sure that we are like being fed in the word ourselves so that. You know, when God does bless us, you know, if he does bless us with the child that we're able to, you know, raise our child um, in a way that's honoring to Christ. And Nadira, anything to, to add on your side? 
Um, yeah, so we've definitely been, I've been learning how to submit to my husband during this time and to uh, apologize <laughs> to him admitting when I'm wrong or so. And the same thing for both of us. Um, yeah, I've been learning how to like serve my family, even though that they are um, long distance and serving my mom and serving Antonio's mom as well. Um, because she is a widow as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like I have been like struggling with uh, missing my family mm-hmm. this like past, like, but I talked to my brother yesterday and he's like, well, I can come and visit you. So it's really nice. Um, so whenever at that time, hopefully soon, that will come for him to come and visit us. Because uh, my job doesn't make it easy for me to, um, to take a vacation or mm-hmm. to take any day off or even short notice or anything like that or even long-term notice. Like, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so I've just been learning how to submit to Antonio and to serve my family. And yeah, learning AV, it's mm-hmm. like tough, <laughs> but I actually enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, today was like my first official day of me like being by myself and it was pretty nice. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome, That's thanks it. for sharing guys. You did a good job on the slides, Nadira. So, oh, thank you. <laughs> awesome. Uh, let's see. We've also got uh, Justin Lee, L E E. I can see you. So, let's have you um, share next one thing that the Lord's teaching you and one way that we can be praying for you. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Cool. Uh, I think something I'm learning is uh, patience. Um, patience right now with uh, job applications and um, just, you know, furthering my career. Because um, I've been out of school for, or since December, so I don't know how long that's been, four months, right? And I'm constant, I'm steadily looking for a job and just um, trying to be patient with where God has placed me, you know, which right now is unemployment and trying to enjoy um, the free time I have right now because um, I'll probably never have this much free time in my life. Um, ever again um, and um, yeah and so I guess a, a prayer request would be um, just to uh, trust in the Lord um, with the future um, because there's a lot of aspects of the future that I worry about and sometimes maybe too much um, but um, it's all under God's control right and um, God has God knows you know the past present and the future right and um, and uh, that gives me a, a great reason to you know, trust in him Great. Thanks so much, Justin, for sharing. Uh, let's see. Well, we got a lot of people here. Um, uh, well, whenever I'm in doubt, I always uh, default to David. Uh, David, how are, how are you doing? Um, and what is one thing that uh, you and Leanne are learning? And how can we pray for you? I guess uh, since I'm your assistant, it, you, I am <laughs> a good default for you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, for us, you know, um, I think something that we've been learning is uh, we've been having my brother over um, on uh, usually like three or four days on the weekday. Uh, he's job searching and, um, you know, my parents have asked us to ask me in particular to kind of help in that. But I, I think something that's been a blessing is that, you know, it, it's given us this opportunity to, you know, just to pray and to realize, you know, that there's opportunities to share the gospel with my brother and by extension, also my family. Uh, we've just been 
uh, on, on my side of the family, uh, nobody's, uh, they're, they're unsafe. So I think just like something on our hearts is like, uh, you know, we've been praying for them, but, you know, just kind of seeing that now, like there's more and more opportunities to just interact with them. Um, so I think like part of, and that's a prayer request as well, is that, you know, my family would know the Lord, um, that, you know, he, he calls his sheep and his sheep will hear, uh, will come. And, um, and I just really, uh, yeah, I, I think sometimes like there's like a lot of wisdom involved, like of just knowing like how to share that, you know, like, do I, um, just share the gospel, but then ignore his need for, for a job search or is the job search ultimately like the job search is, you know, not important in the light of salvation and eternity, but at the same time, like it's an opportunity as well to just help and to show, show love uh, to my brother. So I think just wisdom around, around that and their salvation. Anything you want to add? Uh, not to that situation. But I think I've been something that I've been learning that I share with my discipleship group a lot is that I think I'm learning even in marriage to, I think, communicate with my husband um, so that he can shepherd our family um, in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. I think it's easy before I was like a single to just kind of keep, you know, like not... um, think share things out of fear per se or um or whatnot but I think um that's something that God has been teaching me in marriage and just even being part of the church family um you know asking for prayer seeking wisdom and counsel from others um so that's something that I've been learning as well great thank you David and Leanna Well, I would love to pray for um, you guys, uh, particularly those who shared, but also just for the group as a whole to uh, open us up before we get into his word. So if you could just bow your heads with me and we'll lift these things up to the Lord. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity that we have. Sundays really are the best days, Lord, because we get to hear from you. We also get to see one another too, Lord, and those are always precious times. And particularly now, we um, realize more than ever just how precious times are that we get to spend with each, each other, Lord. And Father, we thank you for each of the saints um, that are gathered here. We thank you for those um, who've shared the things that you are teaching them, the ways that you're growing each of them. And Father, I just want to lift up those requests in particular, Lord. I pray for Antonio and Adira. I just thank you, Lord, for the gift of marriage that you've given to them. We know that uh, there is an adjustment period. Um, There's period of, of growth, Lord, and really that growth never ends, Lord, um, but it's a good thing and a wonderful thing, Lord. So I thank you for all the things that you're teaching them, even as you're drawing them together in ministry, in terms of how to serve together in AV ministry, and just uh, knitting their lives together, Lord. But we know that comes with challenges, that comes with people with different perspectives, seeing things not always eye to eye, um, and uh, us having to really um, serve one another, Lord, and that is always difficult for sinners to do, but Father, we know that it's a good thing, and I thank you for the ways that you're teaching them and showing them, Lord, uh, your goodness in that. Father, we just want to pray for Nadira and just the fact that she has not been able to see her family as much as she would want to, Lord. We know that there's a a homesickness that comes with that, Lord, but I just thank you for uh, the opportunities that she does have to speak with them. And we are thankful, Lord, for the the family that you placed into each of our lives. Father, I want to pray for Justin. I thank you, Lord, for the situation and the 
the place in life that you put him in right now. And even though it may seem like a transitional period of life that he just wants to get out of as soon as possible, Lord, we also know that there's a purpose for it, Father, and you're, you're accomplishing that purpose. And often you have uh, us go through periods of waiting and being uncertain of finding a job or whatever it may be, Lord, because you want to grow us in that way. So we know that you're doing a good work. And Father, we do ask that you would help him uh, to find a job situation um, that he can pursue. But Father, we also know that uh, the time that he has right now is not wasted time either, that you are working in his heart and you're working in his life and teaching him to trust in you. And those are valuable things as well. Father, I just pray for David and Leanna. I thank you, Lord, for uh, making them the lights in their families and particularly David's family who doesn't know you. And I just thank you for the opportunities that David has to minister to his brother and helping him to find a job. But I just pray that this would be an opportunity for him to share the gospel, Lord, and the light of your word might break through to his brother's heart. And we've asked the same thing for the rest of his family too. We ask that their hearts would change, their hearts would see their need for Christ and the Christ that is revealed in the pages of your scriptures, Lord. And Father, I pray that they would repent of um, their way of denying you and their unbelief in you, and that they would turn and that they would call you Savior and Lord. So thank you, Father, just for the opportunities they, they, that they have to share the gospel, Lord. And Lord, I just pray for Leanna as well. I thank you for everything that you're teaching her in her marriage. And I just pray that as she continues to learn these things, that she would really see your goodness and your blessing through it, Lord, because you have blessing and kindness and mercy stored up for those who follow you. So Father, I thank you for all the lessons that you're teaching her about communication and marriage and uh, being a helper, David. And I just pray that those lessons would continue and that she would be blessed for it. So we thank you for all of these saints and for all these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, with that, I'll go ahead and hand it off to you, Mark. Thanks, Kevin. Well, I'm you know, always excited to hang out with you all. I guess the upside of Zoom is I get to hang out with the whole church on a Sunday afternoon, and that's a sweet thing for me. I don't know whether my boys are as crazy about it, but anyways, um, I think they'd rather be playing Monopoly with me right now, but you know, there are heavy sacrifices that need to be made for the sake of the gospel. So we'll wait for Monopoly till afterwards. But um, we're going to today just really consider how do we glorify God in the midst of conflict and hurt in relationships. I think, as you all know, um, in any relationship, there can really be hurt. We open ourselves up to that. And sometimes it's just our pride that gets hurt. Uh, but sometimes there's genuine uh, griefs and sorrows. And that comes as a product of the fact that we're sinners. And as sinners enter into relationships, Either my sin or somebody else's sin, inevitably sin uh, carries with it thorns and it separates and it separates us from the Lord and it separates us from one another and it brings heartbreak and sorrow. And the way the world deals with that is we run and hide or we lash out. You know, those are the two ways. But, you know, the good news of Jesus Christ and the cross is he's provided a way uh, for us to be reconciled first with him and one another and the cross and the good news of Jesus Christ is greater than our sin. And that is just incredibly hopeful. It doesn't mean that relationships are easy. It doesn't mean that there's not hurt. Uh, but it also means we don't have to run and hide and stick our heads in the sand. 
you know, but we do have to look to Christ. And I think one thing that's for sure and for real is that very few people who I've encountered, um, even in, let's say, churches where there are a lot of older people who have been Christians their entire lives, it's still very rare to see people look to the gospel to resolve um, their issues and their hurts and their concerns. It's so much easier for us to step around it or to stay angry with one another and for things to remain broken. And of course, we've all witnessed those marriages or even those relationships and churches where people just sort of stay on the other side of the room or there's certain issues that are just not talked about and we leave them for 20 or 30 years and that comes to define the relationship. Well, as we come to God's word, we see that Jesus has a much greater plan for his church, for believers, for marriages, and also for families. So the two texts that we're going to look at today primarily are going to be Psalm 32 and Ephesians 4 and 5. And uh, let's see, Eric Tam, I'm going to ask you if you could to read Psalm 32 for us. And uh, then after that, Let's see, maybe Lyndon, if you could get us to Ephesians 4, and uh, I'll get you to read um, verses 1 through 3, and then 5, 22 to 33, okay? And if you guys could start that off while I share my screen, and uh, we'll come under the word of the Lord together. Great. Psalm 32. Um... Blessed are the forgiven and masculine of David. Um, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man who, uh, against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and that I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to, this, to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You, you surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye open upon you. Uh, be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a uh, bit and br uh, brittle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Thank you. Lyndon, are you able to uh, bring us home with Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, and then 5, 22 through 33? Yep, uh, I'll do that. Okay, so um, Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond. So moving to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 33. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, 
So also wives should submit in everything to, to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of, the wa uh, washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Thanks so much, Eric and, and Lyndon. It's interesting. I had a friend of mine from seminary who wrote of Ephesians or who spoke to me about Ephesians 5.33 and, and said, where do men struggle? And it is to struggle to love our own wives as ourselves. And where do wives struggle? And it's to respect their husbands. And we see, you know, those are gender specific challenges of the flesh. And they're the very things that uh, the world promotes, right? The world promotes that you need to respect yourself, that you need to have confidence in yourself. You need to believe in yourself. And of course, that's a lie from the pit, as I like to say. And no wonder when we're exalting ourselves, we have a hard time respecting uh, our spouses, especially the men in our lives, especially ladies, when there are many things that you can do far better than we can. But that is not the basis of our relationship. Uh, at least I hope not. I hope that we're in a relationship, as Ephesians says, because Christ is the one who draws us near and his cross has forgiven us of our sins, not because we value or esteem natural talent or giftedness or ability or chemistry or camaraderie or any of those sorts of things. And so when things change in our lives, our love for Christ and our love for one another doesn't change. But when we're loving ourselves, it certainly does. And, and similarly, men, when we're busy loving ourselves and loving our career and loving the validation we get and our promotions and our employment, boy, is it hard to love our wives, right? you know, because there's not room in our hearts and our lives for both of those things. And the love of the flesh and the things of the flesh is something that's just so destructive in relationships. Well, let's step back for a minute and um, consider, first of all, God's goal for our church and our relationships and our families and our marriages, all of them together. And uh, this is a uh, diagram that I, um, with, with full copyright notice, ripped off from the uh, Lane book on, um, Lane and Trip book on how people change, which uh, if you ever want a great resource, I should have listed it and posted it for you. And, and maybe next time we get together, I'll put it up, an image of it. It's really a wonderful book. It, it just does. It's sort of um, the next level when we're done, you know, uh, especially for everybody, if you get a chance to get that book, it's a wonderful book to read through. It's just 
uh, it's a biblical counseling book and they do a, a very, very sweet, sweet job. Um, and they have the image, which is based on Psalm 1 and Jeremiah 17, about really the two lives and the two paths. And one tree is the thorn tree, that when the heat comes out, it dries up and uh, cuts your fingers and has barbs on it. And the other is the fruit tree, that even when the sun comes out, as the Lord says in Jeremiah 17, in days of heat, when times are hard, it still bears fruit in its season. And that's because of where its roots are set. One set of roots are anchored in Christ and his cross, and the others are anchored in ourselves, okay? And we look in our lives when hard times come, what comes out of our heart? When things don't work out the way we want or we desire in our relationships, in our church, in our work, in our families, what comes out? Love, joy, peace, self-control, gentleness, you know, all the fruit of the spirit, uh, patience, you know, what we saw, gentleness, humility, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, is that what comes out in our relationships? Or is it anger, malice, bitterness, uh, and even immorality and sensuality and strife? Are those the sorts of things that come out when things don't go our way, when we're hurt, um, when things aren't working out the way we'd hoped or expected? And there are two paths which sort of really reveal in us where our hearts are. And in fact, what we'll see is that there are times where the Lord brings problems into our lives and conflicts into our lives. It's actually his grace. It's actually his sovereign kindness to squeeze us a little bit, okay, and bring us to a place which hurts uh, in order to demonstrate and test our hearts and see what's in our hearts. Of course, the Lord already knows what's in our hearts, but his desire is that we and everybody around us get a chance to see what's in our hearts. And Kirk Gebhardt used to tell me when I was discouraged in church ministry, he used to come by, hey, Mark, how's it going? And I would tell him, yeah, I was having a hard time. Whereas a little discouraged, he would make the point that, well, you know, Mark, what's coming out right now, it's not something new. It's something that's been there for a while. And the Lord is just using these circumstances to bring out or expose what's in your heart. And of course, that comes from a God who loves us and his desire is to really nurture us and grow us and get rid of those things in our lives that separate us from him and from one another and to grow us into the image of Christ. And that comes up to our, our top point, God's goal for our lives and our relationships. God's goal for our lives and relationships. The world tells us that the goal for our lives and relationships is that we would be happy. Have lots of friends, lots of good times, that we would make memories, you know, and uh, we would have those idyllic times that we see in the commercials, right, of kids playing on the beach in some Caribbean island, okay, uh, early retirement, playing golf, hanging out in a boat, okay, with all our friends, all of those sorts of these images of good times. And it's interesting, one of the pastor who did Julie's uh, premarital and my premarital, because we did it together, he made the point and reminded us, he said, you know, in ministry, those things that we look forward to frequently, we don't remember those things. What we do remember are the hard times. We do remember the challenges and the trials because, and he reminded us, that's typically where we grow when we find the sweetness of the Lord. It's in the midst of those things. It's in our weakness, our frailties, our brokenness, as the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9. 
that we see God's strength perfected in our weakness and we see that his grace is sufficient. And it's through this that we see God's goal for our lives is really that the gospel would be made visible. Okay, that's what we're seeing in Psalm 32, that in our brokenness, we're either going to conceal or we're going to go to the Lord. And we're going to find that we have a God who forgives and he has a remedy for sin, not only our sin, but the sin of the people who hurt us. And he's able to lift that burden and he's able to be a refuge during a time of flood or storm. And he's able at the end to give us a joy that comes from above rather than a joy in the things of this world. Okay. And that very frequently is where we get our hearts broken because our hearts are set, whether we realize it or not on the expectations and hopes and joys of this world. And when those are taken away from us, we weep and, and, and we have sorrow. All right. And the Lord has to come in and take those away from us uh, in order to demonstrate ultimately that he is the great prize. And of course, that's Abraham sacrificing Isaac on the altar. But as we get to Ephesians 4 and 5, we see too that in marriage, very deliberately before the foundation of time, our purpose, God's purpose for marriage, okay, is not our good times. It's not that, which is typical sometimes in some churches, we get to join a special club and now we're in the marriage club or now we're in that we have kids club and we have special fellowship with people. No, the purpose of a marriage is that before the foundation of time, God designed it to be an illustration or a picture of Christ's relationship with the church. Okay, so that's a huge thing that tells us, boy, if we think we're doing our marriages separate from the church, you know, and we want a Christian marriage, we're headed for trouble. Your relationship, every relationship is meant to demonstrate the gospel. And that gospel is not about what we do to save ourselves or to fix this relationship. And whether you're roommates in a house or whether you're engaged or married, this relationship is to demonstrate how God saves sinners from their sin through the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in every aspect of our lives. And that includes in our conflicts and our disagreements. Is Christ king? Is he greater than our sin? Does he redeem? Well, these are the things that get put on display, and they get put on especially on display when we get hurt, when we're broken, and uh, when, you know, things don't go the way we expected. And, you know, that's a lesson that's so necessary for ministry, too. So often in ministry, people back out in ministry when things get hard. They get shocked. You know, I'm serving, serving, serving. I'm giving, giving, giving. And this is what these people do to me. You know, they accuse me. They throw me under the bus. You know, all of those different things. And our hearts are broken until we come to Jesus. And we look at Jesus' life, who wept over Jerusalem, who would crucify him, who said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and who came and he bore our rejection, our humiliation, and our shame. But in the end, the Lord ultimately exalted him, and he gave life to many. All right? Well, you know, brothers and sisters, that's what a marriage is to be all about. That's what a church is to be all about. That's what relationships between brothers and sisters is meant to be all about. So don't be surprised when the Lord intentionally squeezes us a little bit and we begin to see, wow, this isn't so pretty. And as we come to what the heart of the problem is, okay, I've written up here on our screen, the problem is me, okay? The problem is me. Our propensity in our flesh and our pride always, okay? When people come for counseling, when they share a problem, 
we can't help ourselves. Our natural inclination is to think the other person's the problem. What they did, what they said, what they didn't do, all of those different things. That's the propensity of all our hearts. As sinners, we blame shift, okay? And we have to recognize that's our flesh. That's our pride. We've been doing it since we've been kids. He hit me first, okay? So you've done it for a while and you're a professional at it, okay? And it comes a lot easier than coming and saying, okay, this problem is me. I've brought sin into this relationship. I brought sin into this marriage. I brought sin into this engagement that has existed for a long time. And you know what? I'm a professional sinner. I'm good at it. And that means we're professionals at hurting one another because sin hurts. It separates us from the Lord and his holiness, and it separates us from one another. And we might not see it in the beginning, but eventually be sure your sins will find you out. Those things are going to come out. And nobody's immune to that, okay? Julie and I have a saying, you know, in marriage, you're going to pay now or you're going to pay later, okay? One way or the other, it's going to get exposed. And, you know, for Julie and I, we said, look, how the Lord squeezed us, it happened early. And we praise the Lord for that. It was extremely painful, okay, because we had to see our own sin and how it affected someone else. But, you know, in hindsight, I would rather pay for it early rather than delay and pay for it later, okay? We have to come in and see Psalm 32, the problem is me. And as we get exposed, as we begin in these relationships to see, okay, the problem is me. There are sins in my life, patterns of sin in my life. And it's important to name them, brothers and sisters. That's what Paul does, okay? That's what David does. They name them and view their sins biblically. We're confronted with an issue or an opportunity one or the other, okay? And this is Psalm 32. Are we going to resolve this problem? And remember, we're saying I'm the problem. Am I going to resolve my problem? And I exhort you to use that language, okay? Our tendency is to say, well, she's got a problem or he's got a problem. No, the Lord has brought this and he's made it your problem. You know, husband and wife are one flesh. The church is one body. We're members of one another. If you've got a problem, guess what? It's my problem, okay? It just is, okay? Someone comes into the church and they've got lice or fleas, guess what? It's my problem now, okay? Uh, someone comes in with an illness in the church, okay? Guess what? It's my problem now too. And so we come in and say, okay, well, this is my problem, all right? This is my problem. That's what church discipline we talked about last week in the church. When there is sin in the church and someone is refusing to repent, this is our problem. It's not just their problem. Okay. And that is the point of love. Okay. We've got two choices. Are we going to deal with it Christ's way? And are we going to walk through the path of the cross? Or are we going to deal with it the world's way? Are we going to run and hide? Or are we going to lash out and manage and control? Okay. Are we going to nag? Are we going to fight? Are we going to try and fix it ourselves? And that's the opposite of the gospel. The gospel is what God does to save sinners, not what Mark Chin or Julie does to fix our relationship, what God does, vertical, okay? Or are we going to go the path of the cross? And initially, nobody wants to go down the path of the cross. Too painful because we've got to die, okay? And whether it's with children, friends, fellow people, roommates, the question is, which way are we going to go? And those are the, really the two paths that Psalm 32 outlines for us and Jeremiah 17. 
okay? And, and the two paths, as you know, go like this. Are we going to follow Christ or are we going to follow ourselves? Are we going to follow Christ or are we going to follow ourselves? Are we going to listen, like we talked about this morning, and obey his word or my word? My word is the elaborate story of why I'm not at fault. But you don't understand. If you knew this person the way I knew them, if you understood the situation, and that view and understanding of why things went wrong. Well, what does Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tell us? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Even in a conflict, you might not see it clearly. The place you really want to see it is how does Christ see this situation? Okay. And then we go and consider the path of the cross. Well, Psalm 32 tells us the place it begins with confession. Agreeing, confession is agreeing with what God's word has to say about the problem. Agreeing with what God's word has to say about the problem. Okay. And where I want to encourage you is to say, do we really see our conflicts and our hurts through the lens of the gospel? Or do we view it through the lens of our hurt and our tendency in our pride and flesh as we see it through our hurt? But he hurt me this way. But she hurt me this way. But he did this to me. He said this about me. She said this about me. Those might be partially true. But it's not the whole truth because the whole truth is seeing it through the lens of the gospel. That God is sovereign. That he's brought me into this relationship that none of this has taken the Lord by surprise, that my spouse could not say anything without the Lord allowing it to happen, that God has a purpose and a reason for this. And we've got two choices, brothers and sisters. We either go to the Lord and we confess, even if that confession is, Lord, I've been hurt. Lord, my spouse has said things to me that are just unkind, and it's more than I can bear. And I feel angry and resentful and I'm frustrated. And I wish this person was not in my life. Or I wish I had, you know, to go to the cross. And we've got two choices. We either go there or we conceal. Okay, that's Psalm 32. Uh, we just say, hey, there's not a problem. I got it under control. I know what's going on. I'm in charge here. Covered up. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell the people at church. Pretend everything is fine. Don't tell the Lord. Let's just... Let me go to my PlayStation. Let me go to my sports. Let me go to my work. Let me go and do the things and just get on with it. And it'll whatever. Okay. And David makes the point when I concealed my sin, I wasted away. Sin rots your bones. It destroys your sleep. It destroys your life. It destroys your relationship. And sometimes it's like diabetes and sometimes it's like HIV or cancer. Sometimes it's a slow death that lingers over time or sometimes it just burns right through but we've got two choices, okay? We either confess and open it up and we reveal or we conceal, okay? And then we go to the place of, are we going to repent or are we gonna rebel? Well, it's not my fault. This is what they did. This is what they said. This is what, the, it may be 99% theirs, but can we honestly say in our hearts when we're hurt that we're not guilty of bitterness, we're not guilty of resentment, we're not guilty of being outraged to say that this is not fair or not right. Why? Because I was hurt. Well, how many times when someone else is hurt in the same way, do we run out and take care of them? I think one of the amazing and telling things of how often when we're hurt, very frequently, it is our pride that is hurt. Okay. It's demonstrated that 
you know, when someone else says an unkind word to someone else and we're there, many times we don't say anything. Awkward silence, right? When they say it to us, it's a big deal and we're going to tell people and we're going to get whatever and this needs to be handled. When they say it to someone else who is in the church who we're not close to, it's kind of, and then we start to see it's not so much the sin that offends us. It's the fact that this happened to me and this shouldn't happen to me. And the question is, are we going to turn from ourselves and place our faith in Christ and say to our Lord and Savior, look, this is your doing. You know what you're doing. You love me. You are my savior. Would you help me to respond in a way that is pleasing to you? Even in the same way you responded when people rejected you, hurt you, and put you on the cross. Or will we rebel? And will, and part of rebellion is we're going to fix it. We're going to do something. We're going to have that conversation. We're going to set this person straight. We're going to show them. We're going to talk to Pastor Mark. We're going to do all of the different things. Boom, 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 where I'm going to fix it. Okay. And, and at the end of Psalm 32, you know, the Lord exhorts us not to be like the mule or the horse where a bridle is needed, where we're stubborn, where we're just intent and in doing our own way. Okay. Uh, because ultimately, you know, that is a brutal path. And the outcome of this, really the two ways is when we come to Christ, he is a wonderful savior. He has given his life for our sins. He is gentle and lowly. He is gracious and he is sweet. And he comes and he forgives us and he cleans us and he washes us. We are the church and he sanctifies us with his word. He forgives our sins. He renews us and restores us. And what comes out of these situations is fruit. When we don't turn to him and we go it alone and we try and fix things ourselves, we end up with thorns, okay? And those thorns grow and grow and grow and grow. Pretty soon it doesn't take a whole lot for there to be, you know, a whole grip of thorns coming out. And so it's really two paths. Are we going to have salvation in life or are we going to have separation and death? And as we look at the diagram that we see here, to go from that place where we're trusting in ourselves and trying to do it on our own, to the place that we go and trust the Lord. Brothers and sisters, many times that involves a cross where we have to sacrifice our pride and our flesh and we have to give it up to the Lord. And of course, that's exactly what Jesus is after. Uh, Julie used to share with me when we would get stuck on the same problem repeatedly, it would come up, okay? And we look at each other and, and not be sure why is this happening again? Why are we getting our buttons pressed or getting hurt in the same way? It was obviously a huge discouragement for Julie. And the temptation was to say, okay, there's something really wrong here. Now there is something wrong, obviously, okay? But I think we fail to see in the light of the gospel that the Lord was using this as an opportunity to bring a death about in both our lives, in different areas in our lives, interestingly. What he had needed to work on in Julie's heart was a little bit different than what he needed to work in my heart. But he was bringing us to that point of the cross where we would have a greater vision of his love for us and we would be set free. Okay. And, and I think the pain many times makes us reluctant and we withdraw and we don't want to go to the cross. The problem doesn't get resolved. It's not seen biblically. And so what happens is the problem comes up again and again and again. And in many relationships you see we're predisposed in married couples. There's certain areas 
that we're a little more predisposed to rub each other the wrong way, okay? Well, that is because that's exactly where Christ is going, that there's something in our lives that he's after. And the good news about Jesus is he never lets us go, okay? So how do we resolve things, okay? How do we glorify God in our hurt? Because that's really the rub, right? Uh, my buddy used to say to me, hey, there's going to come a night, Mark, before I got married, you know, he used to say, you're going to be tired. She's going to be tired. The kids are sick. You're both up all night. You need something. You say it to her. You say it to her in a way that doesn't sound kind because you're trying to get a, a rag to, to soak up the kid's vomit. She's hurt in the way you talk to her. And then you're hurt. And then she's hurt. And then it all escalates. Okay. Now, look, there's no testing or temptation, but such as is common to man. Okay, those things happen. That's a reality. We're sinners. But the Lord through the cross has given us a way to glorify him through our hurt and to discover that in us resides the risen Lord. How, how can we go through this? And I want to spell this out in detail because many times we haven't seen it. And uh, listen, for those of you, uh, if you just remind me, I'll, I'll get Cindy a copy of these slides and we'll make this available to anybody who wants them, especially in the premarital, okay? Number one, when we're hurt, who do we go to first? Do we go to that person, horizontal, or do we go to Christ first, and do we go to his word? That's very hard to do, but my go-to place when I'm hurt is Ephesians 4, where the Lord exhorts me to be gentle and humble and to eagerly pursue unity, okay? Do we go to Christ, and do we remember his cross? As much as I'm hurt, there's one who I've hurt far more, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And do we go down the path of my rights or my debt? Okay, I owe Jesus a lot. Let me tell you, he's forgiven me a lot. He's got a pretty big check, okay? And so, you know, if someone wants to come to me and say, Pastor Mark, please forgive me, I have very little rights to say no in comparison to what Christ has forgiven me. Okay. And where we need to be, brothers and sisters, we have to ask ourselves, am I big enough to conquer this hurt or do I need a savior? Well, you know, I've fallen enough times to say, I really need Christ to come in and he's available. Do we go to Christ and do we remember his cross? Do we remember the gospel? Are we seeing this through our words or his? Okay. Number two, go to your brother or sister with Christ. Go to your brother or sister with Christ. Now, we take Matthew 18 and say, okay, I'm going to go. You sinned against me. Let's uh, deal with this. Get it straight. But one of the things I want to caution you as husbands and wives and as members of our church, when we go to someone, are we walking in the spirit or are we walking in the flesh? If we're upset and angry, typically the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. It ain't going to go well. I got news for you. Okay are we walking in the spirit? And sometimes that requires us to be in the word. Sometimes that requires us to pray. Sometimes that requires us to speak to a godly friend and say, hey, I'm just upset about this. Will you pray with me that I can be in the spirit? Now, this is not an excuse not to deal with things. We've all heard those people where they've been waiting for months to resolve an issue and they say, okay, well, I'm going to go there when my heart is right, but I don't want to go while I'm in the flesh. Okay, look, God knows. Okay, we're also when someone is offended with us, we're to leave our gift at the offering and we're to rush and reconcile. Okay, we're not to let the sun go down on our anger. You want to keep short accounts. And if we truly believe that you're a believer and the Holy Spirit is in you, 
look, it shouldn't be taking weeks for you or days for you to walk in the spirit. That's rebellion. That's you being in sin because Christ has given you away. Okay. The idea of going with Christ is submitting to Christ, submitting to Christ, Ephesians 5, right? Are we submitted? Are we walking in the spirit? Okay. When we go to our brother or sister in Christ, okay, here's some language that can help. Love hopes all things. The flesh accuses of all things. You did this, you did this, you did this, you did this. Love hopes all things. Maybe I don't completely understand why my wife said to me the things that she did or why she did the things she did. Could it be possible that Pastor Mark is imperfect and he doesn't know exactly why things happened the way they did? Well, it's very possible, right? And so we can go to our spouse or a brother and sister and just simply say, look, this was hard for me. It's non-accusatory. It puts the blame or responsibility on me. It shows the person I'm hurting. Are we willing to reveal to others that, that we're hurt through the process? Well, many times our pride says no. Well, it's, you did this, this, and it was wrong, and it was unbiblical. Are we willing to go say, you know what? This was hard for me. This hurt me pretty badly. Would you help me understand why you did what you did? Okay. Um, as we go to our brother and sister, we have to say, okay, is the problem here really sin? Is there something specific? Or was it my pride or my expectation that got hurt? More often than not, more often than not, it is my pride or my expectations of what I'd hoped for that got disappointed. Oh, we were supposed to have a wonderful dinner this evening. Oh, we were supposed to have friends over. Oh, we were supposed to do this. Oh, you had said we would, and it didn't work out that way. More often than not, I discover my disappointments revolve around my expectations and my pride. It's usually less often that there's actually a pattern of sin. And then if we're talking about sin, is, is it really sin and is there a pattern here? Okay. And brothers and sisters, I think we want to be very, very careful, okay, to make sure that we're using biblical language and that indeed that there's an ongoing pattern, okay, We've got to be cautious in that way. Now, if we're there, then who do we need to bring it up with? Our spouses, those who are there. Hey, brother, I'm concerned that I've seen a pattern here that concerns me. It would appear that you use sarcasm on a frequent basis that puts people down, okay? To really come gently as Christ does. And then are we going to go to the word and prayer? Are we going to look to Jesus together? Is it going to be, hey, should we have a look at what God's word has to say about this? And then what happens when you get stuck? Because inevitably people do get stuck because Christ typically when conflicts are coming, what he's doing is he's getting after our blind spots. He's getting after areas that we've done this over and over and over again. And we've got a thick skin and we've done it many times. Okay. And we don't see it. Okay. We're blind. And that's why God's given us the local church. And that's why he's given us godly shepherds. And that's why I say here, we're stuck, okay? Uh, are you going to call the shepherds or are you going to call the police, okay? Um, are we going to go to brothers and say, you know what, we've got this issue, we can't resolve. Are we going to humble ourselves and say, would you come in, Peter? Would you come in, Ted? Would you just cast an eye on this and help us understand? 
Now, some people abuse that and they come to Peter and Ted and I, and the reason they come to us is they want us to be the police and they want us to point out that the other person is completely wrong and guilty and the one who everybody should hate. And, and they want us to set people straight. In fact, many counseling situations, that's the way it sort of, sort of starts, okay? But Matthew 18, 12 through 20, yes, it applies to marriage. If your brother or your sister sins against you, go to him. And if he listens, you've won your brother. That the heart and desire of coming is to see someone reconciled to Christ. Now ask yourself when we try and resolve conflicts, is our goal and objective to see our spouse, our brother, our friends reconciled to Christ? Is that our goal? Well, that's a good heart check. As opposed to, am I just trying to fix a problem the way I'm fixing a piece of computer code or the way I'm fixing a medical problem and get it fixed so that we can move on in this relationship? And very frequently, you'll see couples ask one another for forgiveness or say, oh, I'm sorry I hurt you because really they don't want to fix the problem. They just want everything to be better so that they can move on. Okay, we want to see these things God's way. Many times we need our shepherds involved. Okay. Confess, repent, forgive, and rejoice by faith, okay? This whole process, really, I'm going to bring it back again. Have you resolved things with the Lord first? If you yourself do not have a right heart before the Lord, if you haven't resolved things with the Lord first, if you're not walking in the Spirit, this whole process just becomes one huge legalistic process, and it's not going to do anything. It's just you using peacemaker to try and fix things. Okay. But when we've gone to the Lord and he shepherded our hearts and our hearts desire is to see a brother or sister who sinned against us be reconciled with the Lord. And the thing that matters most is that Christ would be glorified in this. And we understand that there are times where we suffer for the sins of others so that Christ can be glorified, but Christ is doing a good work in us and through us. And brothers and sisters, that's marriage and that's ministry, okay? Um, we can go, okay? And we can confess, repent, forgive, and rejoice by faith. And some of the language I want to just go through quickly here with you, and I do this because biblical counselors frequently say this. When they get people to come in, they will ask people to say these things because they've never said them before. They don't know the language. Please forgive me for, and be specific of the sin. Name it. Please forgive me for covetousness. Please forgive me for envy. Please forgive me for anger. Please forgive me for pride. The biblical way that the Lord views it. Please forgive me for unkind speech or unedifying speech. It didn't encourage you. And then own the cost. Please forgive me for hurting you. Okay? I've said to Julie, Please forgive me for giving you a sleepless night or, or just disrupting or making life hard for you, okay? I've got to own not only my sin, but how it affected the other person. Do we do that, okay? Well, that's what Zacchaeus did, okay? Uh, we need to own what's happened. I have loved God, not you. Excuse me, I have loved myself, not you. I have not loved God and I have not loved you. Do we say that when we ask for forgiveness? Honey, please forgive me. In the words I said and the things I did, I demonstrated that I love myself more than God or you. Okay? I forgive you as God has forgiven me because of Christ. I say that to my boys frequently. Okay? 
I say, before we have dinner, you need to ask the Lord for forgiveness and you need to ask your dad for forgiveness. When they come to me, I say, look, this dad, forgive me. I say, look, I forgive you because Christ has forgiven me. Okay. And then I have to go to them at times and say, please forgive your dad for being proud, for being irritable and frustrated and annoyed, which is just an expression of pride. Okay. Uh, embrace and pray for the sinner. Rejoice in Christ. Okay. When there is forgiveness, we need to celebrate, but we also need to patiently wait and pray for fruit. Okay. You realize that what God is doing in our conflicts is he's exposing patterns of sin that have been there for a long time. And if it didn't get there overnight, typically for many things, God is going to take some time and it's going to get better and better and better. But, you know, it's, it's going to go. If you look at Peter in the, among the disciples, he, he put his foot in his mouth a few times, right? And so we want to come alongside and pray for that person and patiently wait for fruit. It's not like, okay, tomorrow, boom. We understand that they need to grow and mature, okay? So look, these are some of God's provisions to pursue the gospel vertically and horizontally in our relationships. And if we're able to do that, I think we look to Christ and his Holy Spirit and we pray for one another, there is great fruit over time. Now I've compressed something that for many couples happens over a period of weeks or months into a few minutes. So let's not go with the expectation that, boom, it's there. But that's why there are godly shepherds who we call on, okay? And uh, bring into situations to help us when we get stuck. And uh, I know it's 4.59. I'm going to ask you to humor me for five minutes, okay? Because I say usually we're going to start off at five. But this one I think is worth waiting for, okay? I uh, texted and emailed Clarence and Anna last night and asked them if I could ask them a few questions about one memorable evening uh, while Julie and I were with the kids away on vacation and we were packed into a one-bedroom hotel and the kids were sleeping on a pull-out mattress and uh, uh, we got a call from Clarence and Anna asking if we could talk about something because there was a disagreement that they were stuck with. Now, part of the context and the background of that is we had the joy of doing Clarence and Anna's um, premarital. And it was a time when uh, Anna was down in Orange County for much of that. And Clarence was up here. So it was separate. So it was old school Skype. I think, and uh, telephone conversations, and it was a mishmash of everything. It certainly wasn't an easy premarital for them by virtue of distance and, and logistics, um, but it was certainly sweet, and it was certainly fun, and uh, they were an encouragement to us as we worked through things together, um, but I, I wanted to, them to share a little bit um, what every married couple, I think, goes through. What do you do when you get stuck? Right. And so uh, Clarence and Anna, are you with us? And can you put your speaker on? Hey, Pastor Mark, can you hear us? I've got you. I've got you. So um, Clarence and Anna, this is, you know, this is this is the big treat for everybody. Basically, I was just the warm up for you. But um, let me just ask you, how did you and Anna make that decision to give Julie and I a call that evening? Um, you know, I think before we begin, just want to say amen to everything that you've shared today. Um, I think as you were just going through each portion, we were just nodding our heads and laughing. Reminiscing? <laughs> it's exactly us. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, just this one night that you're talking about is just a series of just many, many instances where we've called you at, you know, late night and just you and Julia have been very kind to us and just taking our calls and, um, and yeah, that night, I remember you guys were just trying to do a, a one night getaway and we called you at like 10 or 11 PM and we're like, Mark and Julie, we, we need help. <laughs> and you were telling us that you were on, you were just trying to be on a vacation right now and everything was just crazy. <laughs> But yeah, we're, we're just totally cool, though, though I will say, you know, everybody, I go to bed early, so it's hit or miss. But this time <laughs> we were up. And so Julie and I uh, uh, went into the bathroom and closed the door while the kids were sleeping. And so Julie and I were uh, there in the bathtub and on the toilet, you know, sort of trying to field the call. And I think the context a little bit was we, we told Anna and Clarence about this so that they would understand that our voices were a little bit lower. And uh, anyways. So take it away. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you guys have been a huge encouragement to us and um, you've been very kind to us. Um, yeah, I think uh, I the question was, what, why, why did we choose to call them? So the context was that it was our first year anniversary and we had planned a really nice dinner at this fancy restaurant. And then we just got into a huge conflict about something so small. In the end, it was, you know, I didn't want to submit to what Clarence was asking me to do, which was to stay in our seats, but I wanted to switch seats. And then, um, and then he wasn't caring for me. And then we just kept bickering the whole night. And that was literally the most expensive dinner we've ever had in our lives. And it was ruined because we just couldn't enjoy it in our conflict. It didn't and seem small at the time though, did it? No, no, no. I, I mean, but at the time it was huge, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we uh, so it was our one year anniversary. We planned a weekend getaway, uh, weekend getaway. It was like a Friday, Saturday uh, uh, adventure over to Monterey. And so, you know, come Saturday evening, Anna had planned a, a nice dinner for us right before we were gonna head back. We got into this conflict at the restaurant and since it was Monterey you know we still had a, a two-hour drive ahead of us <laughs> and so that two-hour drive we were just like um you know just in the heat of it and you know I was driving crazy and I was just yelling at me and you know it was just we're stuck in a in a two-door car nowhere like, to run that's marriage brother nowhere to run. we're just stuck with each other for two hours <laughs> and then the more I talked the less he would talk and the less he would talk, the more angry I would get. And the more I would talk, the more angry he would get. And it just, it just got so ugly. Well, and, and listen, in fairness, and, and you know what, I celebrate this because this is what we're talking about, not concealing, that the Lord uses this to edify all of us. And if, if we've got things that we've been through, listen, there is no testing or temptation, but such as is common to man. And what Clarence and Anna are sharing, look, it's as old as Adam and Eve. And one of those things that God puts people together, he typically will put people together who are a little different or they communicate differently. And that pattern of the one person sort of getting louder and the other person retreating and that spinning, so old as the hills. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we, we got back home in one piece, thankfully. And, um, you know, I think at that point we had a little bit of time to pray and, um, you know, we're just asking, we're, we're just talking to each other and we're like, 
we need help. You know, we need more Christ and we need, we need, a you know, a, a wise counselor and a, and a shepherd to speak into our lives because this is getting nowhere. And so, um, you know, that's when we called you and Julie in distress asking if you guys could walk us through our conflict and to really point us to scripture. We knew there had to be a better way to go about this. And like, we needed not only the teaching, but the training in how to speak to each other and the words to use and the tone to use and how to promote godliness and leadership and submission. Cause it's easy to say, oh yeah, I'm gonna submit. I'm gonna be a wife who submits and does these things and respects my husband. But it, I just wasn't sure how it looked. And um, I needed someone to just model that and give me the play-by-play -play of how that was supposed to be. No, absolutely, Anna. And we just think of Jesus' statement. You know, Matthew 18, there's a fight of who's going to be the greatest among us, right? And then he comes in and says, unless you become as a little child, right? And we just see in marriage, we forget, and this was true of myself as a biblical counselor before I got married, well, I should be able to, you know, manage any situation that comes up in our marriage. Wrong right? You know, that we need to learn from Jesus how to speak to one another, okay? And, and sometimes the conflicts that the Lord Jesus brings into our lives earlier, it's still our sin, but that he allows to happen in those precious moments like an anniversary, those things with big expectations, okay, are actually a kindness from him so that we can learn from him that he loves us, right? And I, I do recall that evening because Julie and I were in the bathroom trying to talk through and there was really sort of a limit to how much we could go through. It's not like we had this huge elaborate two hour biblical counseling session, right? Do you recall? We sort of focused on a couple of key items, right? Do you recall that? And do you oh, recall yeah. I, I still remember the passage that you pointed us to <laughs> Hebrews yeah. 12, the Lord's discipline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Out of love for his children though, right? Yep. yep. You know, and let me just ask you how, how did that help you? Because, and it doesn't happen all the time, but I just remember things starting to click for you a little bit and maybe decompressing like a balloon a little bit. Yeah, and I think just to preface it, you know, this, um, Anna and I, we have a, at times a spicy marriage where, you know, things can get really heated. <laughs> it wasn't our first rodeo and so, um, you know, we, we've gone to Mark and Julie many times before this and, the, you know, they've been a huge help to us. And so, you know, there, there were many times before where they've, they've had the, the luxury of spending more time with us than to walk us through the passage a little bit deeper. And so by this time, you know, they were confined to a restroom and didn't have much time. And I think we, um, we were a little bit more well-versed in conflict resolution and how to, how to biblically resolve things. Uh, but um, sorry, I forgot where I was going with this. Uh, <laughs> um, well, how was it helpful? I, I, I guess. Yeah. It yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It was really helpful because, um, you know, each time we go to you guys, you know, we, of course we, we respect and we love you guys, but, uh, it, it's really you guys pointing us to the word and it's us being confronted with Christ and his word to us. And it's either, you know, we, we, we abide in truth and we, we submit to his, his commands or we, um, 
or we, uh, you know, we entertain our flesh, right? We continue to thrive in our, our pride and our sinfulness. And so, you know, it's really just the reality of, are we, are we going to submit to truth or are we just going to um, continue on, on our downward path of uh, just dwelling in our, our own sin? And so, you know, as much as we, we love you guys, we, we know that you give us the truth in the word. And so it's, it's just knowing the reality that it's, it's God's word that's being spoken into our lives. Yeah, and we, um, it, it, in those moments, we just felt like so hopeless, like there was no way of getting out and we were trying to dig our way out of a pit, but we were just digging deeper and it really just felt like death, like death would be an easier route. And um, in those times, we were just like seeking for help, like somebody please because we weren't seeking for unity. We weren't um, like eager to maintain unity or humility in any form. And we needed that ad admonishment and that rebuke to just be like, look, you need to love, you need to love Anna like the church. And then Anna, you need to submit. And, and then you guys would walk us through it. And it was so helpful just to have hope from scripture and the guidance from, yes, from scripture, but also people who have worked through the Bible and worked through the difficulties that are fleshed out using scripture. Yeah, the yeah. gospel made visible, right? Yeah. And oh, yeah. this is what you, you do for others. And and everyone, as, as we close this up, and Anna and Clarence, thanks so much for being willing to be transparent and to share your gospel marriage with the church. And this is one of the wonderful ways in which the Lord redeems our conflicts because he uses it to glorify himself and to edify and to help others in the church. And he takes something that was painful and hard and he uses it to give life to others. But I just wanna say this as, as we close up here and thanks for bearing with us, but Anna and Clarence were worth waiting for. Um, the take home message here is not to call Pastor Mark and Julie at 11 or 1130 <laughs> at night. That's not the remedy for your marriage, okay? It's to call Ted and Peter. No, um, it's, 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 here's, here's what the remedy is. I, because I, I remember this, it's, it's about turning to Christ when you're stuck. When you're stuck to admit, hey, I'm beaten by my sin and I can't fix it and I need help. And if that help first is opening up your Bible and looking to Christ, but that also may mean going to a godly shepherd and saying, I'm stuck, not concealing but confessing, I'm a sinner and I need help. And I remember that evening when Anna and Clarence called, I was like, what are we going to do? There's a limit to what you can do when you're sitting there with the shower curtain trying to walk someone through. And so it's, in my mind, if I've got one note to hit, if there's one thing I can do, it's to point them to Christ and point them to the gospel. If there's one place I'm going to hang my hat on that's going to sustain them, it's the word of God that points them to Christ. And I think one of the other things that, that happened that we went through with Clarence and Anna too was it's not uncommon that couples get into conflict when their lives have been really busy two weeks before and they haven't been in the word and they haven't been praying together. That's sort of the perfect storm. Things get busy, expectations get high, and then we look to the things of the world to bring happiness or joy and the expectations are huge. And the Lord just has to give us a little puff, one person sitting in a different place and that house of cards comes crashing down. But guess what? His word gives life and Christ shows us 
right? And I, I, I recall in speaking with you that one of the things that really diffused was just both of you seeing that there was something bigger than your concerns and that what was bigger was your unity with Christ and with one another, that Christ died for that and that's worth pursuing. And, that's, and, and when we get to see the cross and we come close, our problems become small in comparison to Christ. When we're away from him, our issues seem this big, right? And that's the beauty of what Christ does in his fellowship. So Clarence and Anna, praise the Lord for that, okay? And uh, thank you for sharing. And uh, it's been a joy. Your story is not alone. We've had many who are like that, and we rejoice in those things. And uh, look, let's look to Christ for these things. And let's also, as we've said with you, let's rejoice in what he's done. I'm thankful. I wouldn't want to go through it again aspect, those things that were rubs with Julie. But you know what? Praise God. We're able to share with others and point them. Uh, that Christ is good. And guess what? In our weakness and our frailties, the gospel is made very visible in our marriages. So with that, I'm going to hand things over to uh, Kevin Al to uh, bring us home. All right. Thanks, Mark. And thanks for sharing Anna and Clarence. Um, these are great reminders, and I'm really glad to see uh, representation from the entire church here, because the lessons that we talked about now, they're not just for married couples or for engaged couples. They're really for, for all of us as we work through these things. These are meant to expose um, sins for all of us. And um, even the married couples who supposedly went through all this curriculum before, you know, just going through this now, you know, I really encourage you guys to constantly revisit these truths because we need it. Um, so uh, let me close up our time in a word of prayer. There will be a portion afterwards for those who are going through premarital. So if that applies to you, we invite you to stick around, but let me close our large group portion um, with a word of prayer. Thank you, Father God, so much, Lord, for your word, which never leads us astray. Your word, which always leads us in the right direction, even though we ourselves will stray from that, Lord. We thank you that there is a truth that we can return to and a savior and a Lord that we can return to that will set us right. So Father, I thank you, Lord, just for the lessons that Mark went over today. And I just pray that we wouldn't um, just leave this Zoom meeting and then go back to um, a way of living that is based on the flesh and based on the world and based on our own expectations, Lord, but that we would really seek to honor you in the way that we handle the inevitable conflicts and, and situations that arise in our lives in a way that brings honor to you. But we know that you are even using those things as a means for uh, your kingdom, Lord. You're using these um, conflicts that we run into as means for um, sanctification and a means for growth to turn us to, into more like Christ. So thank you, Father, for all these things. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.